1: listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, and I'm James Whitmore. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land this show is being broadcast from, the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to elders past and present. Today we're going to hear about one of the most endangered sharks that lives in Australia's waters, and incredibly, the law that it still allows this species to be hunted. I'll be right back after this. Music from the wetlands on the banks of the Yarra River in Elphington on Sunday the 19th of November is a celebration of music, community and the environment. Music all afternoon featuring local and established artists including Kutcha Edwards and Alsakuma Beats. Food and drinks available, great kids activities and displays from environmental groups. Why not join Havana Palava's Music March from Elfington Park at 11.45am and make a day of it more details at musicfromthewetlands.com.au. Music from the Wetlands is a 3CR supporter.
2: You're
1: listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. Sharks, they're fascinating and important predators, but they're also facing threats throughout the world's oceans. The scalloped hammerhead is one of those threatened species and recently researchers made an extraordinary discovery about this species in the waters of Western Australia. As we'll hear, it's a story that involves the warming oceans and the contradictions of environmental law that are meant to protect marine life. I spoke to Andrea Rodriguez, a researcher at the University of Western Australia. Andrea, can you tell us a bit about this species of hammerhead that you study and what makes them special?
0: Yes, so I'm studying scallop hammerhead sharks, which is one of the four species of hammerheads that live in Australian waters. And they are pretty special for a few reasons. So one of them is sharks. So unlike many other shark species, they gather in large groups and they are also highly migratory, so they move long distances. Uh, so they are hard to find and study. There are some other curiosities about them, like for example, they are great free divers. Um, there is some recent studies in the last few years where they demonstrated how these scalloped hammerheads can dive to great depths, like 500 meters and beyond. Um, which is very interesting. Um, So, yeah, there are many aspects to their lifestyle, um, sorry, to their life uh, that makes them very interesting. And they're all in danger. So it's one of the most endangered species in the planet.
1: And can you tell us a bit about where they're found? So, I mean, your research is is around WA, but they're also found all across the world, aren't they?
0: Yeah. So it's a globally distributed species. So they live across tropical and semi-tropical waters. So they, um, yeah, they are on, on that, ah, how do I say it? Like they are on that like tropical band of the planet across many different countries. Um, and in Australia, they're typically found in the northern section of the country. And kind of hugging uh, a bit of the coast of Western Australia towards the south and Queensland, New South Wales on the east, right? Um, but as I mentioned, they are tropical species. So I study in Perth, which is not like a tro- it's not a tropical location. Mm. And this is where we've been finding them for the last few years. Um, so this is something that is interesting and something that we haven't um seen before. Mm.
1: And as you mentioned, they're also incredibly endangered. Can you tell us a bit about what's happened to their population over, you know, the last decades and what's causing that decline?
0: Yeah, so the species uh, is listed as critically endangered by um, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, which is this body that, um, as the status of conservation of different species, and this is a global status, um, and this is because the species has been targeted by commercial fisheries, but is also being caught um, as bycatch in many other fisheries, uh, typically long liners, but also other fisheries like for tuna and other sharks, and. The main reason why they're targeted is because, um, they are, their fins are highly valuable in, particularly in the Asian market for, um, what is called shark fin soup. Um, and yeah, the, there are other reasons why, um, their populations are also declining. And for example, here in Australia, populations are not doing great either. So, for example, in the last 50 years or so, uh, populations of scallop hammerhead sharks have declined in about 80%, which is a very sharp decline. Um, And this can also, um, so the main reason uh, for this is commercial fishing, but it's also associated with um, the destruction of habitat and also other um, measures in place like um, the shark nets on their beach on on the beaches and things like that
1: mm. so can you tell us a bit about your recent study what were you trying to find out
0: yeah so um a few years um seen records from the supply uh supply saving helicopter of unidentified hammerheads uh, of the metropolitan uh, coast of Perth and because we also have these temperate species of hammerhead in southern region of Australia, so Victoria, typically Victoria, South Australia and Southwestern Australia, there is this other species that is called a smooth hammerhead, which is very very similar to scallop hammerhead. So we thought uh that the reports could be associated with this species, but we wanted to find out. So we basically got a small um a small army of drones and star in the or patrolling the metropolitan coast of Perth and tried to find uh these hammerheads. And we started our search within a marine park. It's called the Shorewater Islands Marine Park. That is just uh, 50 kilometres south of Perth. And we found a large aggregation of uh, what we identified as the scallop hammerheads.
1: Mm. So can you tell us a bit more about what you found there? You said you found this really large, you know, group of hammerheads. Have these sorts of gatherings been seen anywhere else in the world?
0: Yeah, so um, answering the first part of your question, so um, how we found them, we those cues from the helicopter to start our search. And then we started um, surveying the with drones regularly, like going every week during the summer months, particularly, which is when the reports happened. And... Um, we were doing these surveys in the northern section of the Marine Park until we found the uh, the aggregation. And with this uh, video footage, what we did is we identified the species, we count the animals, but we also measure the animals. And these large aggregations um, happen in other parts of the world. That's why we know these animals are uh, social sharks, but there is uh, honestly a handful of places where they can be found um, consistently so for example the Galapagos Islands off the coast of um, Japan um, in Borneo they used to be uh, a reliable aggregation so there is a handful of places around the world and yeah we're very lucky to have them on our coast.
1: And what to, when you are observing these, you know, big groups of sharks, what sort of information are you gathering and what does that tell us about, you know, um, why they do this sort of behaviour?
0: Yeah, so um, the main information we gather from our research was um, when did we find them? So because we were serving across uh, the summer season, we pinpoint uh, where is the time of the year where we found the aggregation more often. Um, we also, as I said, identify the species, which that is important in in itself because the distribution of the species, as I mentioned, it was um, supposed to be, more northern so more tropical and what we um, identify is a potential shift on the distribution towards the south which is something that is called um, tropicalization of temperate um, areas which is happening with other shark species for example um, with tiger sharks over east but with um, with many other fish uh, that have the ability to move So that has implications uh, for the conservation of the species as well, as the species was not supposed to be interacting with the fisheries of birth, uh, but now we know they're here. So they might be interacting with fisheries uh, that um, tell us where we need to pay attention in order to improve the management of the species. Um, Other thing we found that is very important as well is that these sharks that are aggregating off the coast of birth, they are not adults, they are juveniles. So we managed to measure the animals from the drone footage, and this is very important as they haven't had the capacity to reproduce yet. Uh, So in terms of conservation, um, it's uh, it's an important result. We need uh, obviously to put more effort into protecting uh, not just the species as a whole, but also particular vulnerable stages of their life, uh, such as uh, juveniles. And we also found uh, the third thing I'll say is um, the why, why these animals are aggregating in this area, right? Mm-hmm. So um, our research suggests that these animals might be using the northern section of the marine park as a place to shelter and rest. And this is because we find them reliably during uh, the days associated with the full moon. So we know that sharks typically engage or have um increased their hunting activities during the full moon, and this is because they uh use the ability to see better or they improve um they have more light, I guess. Mm. So uh sharks as their um, species, they are not warm blowing. Like mammals, so they need to um, improve their um, body temperature, not improve, sorry, increase their body temperature to, to to be able to digest better. So, what our research suggests is that we, these animals around the marine park, uh, in association with if they're using the shallow waters of the marine park to rest after having some. At night, during the day, they come into the marine park uh, and they just uh, meander, uh, swim in in a meandering um, pattern for, for the day, yeah.
1: You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, and I'm talking with Andrea Rodriguez about scalloped hammerheads. And sorry about the audio quality there, um, but still a really fascinating interview. We'll hear more from Andrea after the break. But first, this is Denny with Keep It Down. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. <laughs> That was Keep It ba- Down by Denny, and you're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. I'm talking to Andrea Rodriguez, who discovered one of the world's most endangered sharks gathering in waters off the coast of Perth. So it's really like you've got all this really information, really interesting information and, you know, these you found these sharks in a marine park. Um, but I was interested to read about, you know, the level of protection that they actually have in, in, even in this marine park. Are they actually a, able to be hunted in this park?
0: Yes. In fact, they uh, use the marine park to, act, like, they aggregate within the marine park, but they're not protected. So people can fish them legally hmm. and, of course, outside the marine park. So there are different levels of protection of a species in Australia. So under environmental law, there are, like, different categories. Um, so they are considered or they're classified as conservation dependent, which is still allows commercial fishing for the species. Um, even though the scientific, um, advice to the uh, listing of the species is to classify the species as endangered to, to, well, to to improve the conservation status and the population levels. That as a whole in Australia, and particularly in Western Australia, in this marine park, and in in the waters of Western Australia, they're not protected. Mm. Uh, The only management that uh, there is at the level of the marine park is bag limits. So that means that uh, people can fish three um, hammerheads independent of their size per person which is very unsettling in the sense that we know these animals reliably go to a place. So if they are target, the whole aggregation could be wiped out.
1: Mm. It seems, you know, really quite um, a gap between, you know, what the science is telling us, that these sharks are globally critically endangered and, as you've just said, um, you know, their population's decline by 80%, and yet the law still allows them to be fished. That's quite mad to me.
0: <laughs> it is. Um, and I think an important part of any conservation strategy is public awareness as well. Um, so it's science um, is important. It has to be there. And... Science driven decisions are, are fundamental, but I think there is not that much level of public awareness um, of how special these endangered species are and how important it is that our governments maintain um, our oceans healthy and mm. we need sharks to have healthy oceans.
1: Mm. So can you tell us a bit what needs to change um in Australia to protect these sharks appropriately?
0: Yeah, so I'd say uh the most important thing is the listing of the species under environmental law. There is um it's called the EPBC Act um uh, that lists um well it drives environmental law uh for threatened species. So, as I mentioned, the species currently listed as conservation dependent, which is a kind of a vague term that still allows the commercial um, species. And uh, the species has been under assessment for a number of years now, and this has been delayed in, uh, in, well, since the last couple of years. There is a the reassessment is due again in February next year. So we hope um to see the federal government uh to elevate the conservation status of, of the species, but that will trickle down a series of fishing measures, conservation uh, measures, and so on. So I think that would be the most uh, important at um the level of the country at a, a smaller level. Mm-hmm.
1: And what about global action? What what needs what could happen? Or what needs to happen to you know change the fortunes of of this species?
0: Yeah, so globally there are different um, th- th- different levels of actions, right? So, species mm. is, is fish not just within the national waters of each country, which is like uh, two hundred nautical nautical miles uh, from the shore of each country, but it, this also fish in um, international waters. So there are some regulations in terms of trade, um which those are very important. Uh, so I'd say that yeah just maintaining those regulations um on trade. So countries that trade these species need to declare it. just having more open um I would say reporting of uh, the fishing of the species is many countries still report the species uh, at a group level. So you don't know what type of hammerhead, what species of hammerhead has been fished. And this is problematic because then you cannot differentiate between smooth hammerheads or scallop hammerheads or red hammerheads. And another initiative that is very important is uh, this Sharks, when they are caught by on bycatch, or if they are targeted in a region, that they um, will stop the finning. So, in a way, um, many sharks are are only fished for their fins, uh, so their bodies are discarded on spot. And this is something that many countries are changing now. So making regulations that this is not allowed so that we can also identify what um, species are, um, those things belong to. So then we can better understand if the populations are um, getting better or if indeed the the management measures are not uh, helping the populations to rebound.
1: Oh, really interesting and so like as with anything to do with the oceans it's it's really complicated but um i was wondering if you could tell us a bit about you know a big part of your research is ocean predators like these sharks and i believe you've studied tuna as well what drew you to work on these species
0: on scallop hammerheads or tuna
1: on all on all these marine predators yeah
0: yes um well, so I'm, uh, um, I grew up in the mountains. I grew up very far away from the oceans in Spain. And I've only been driven to learn more about the oceans because it's such an alien and, and fascinating world to me. So that drove my curiosity as a kid, then going to university. But one of the main drivers I'd say for me to study these big, uh, large predators is because I'm fascinated about migrations and how everything is interconnected. So studying large predators that are migratory, so I study Atlantic bluefin tuna that they live in the Northern Atlantic. They spend most of their life moving around like from the coast of Canada to the coast of Morocco and then entering the Mediterranean Sea to spawn and interacting with all of us in so many different spots around the planet and also interacting at a trophic level, right? With not just, um, we'll say they have um, an interaction with the environment, not just horizontally, not, they're moving from one place to another, but they're also feeding in all these different places. Um, so I'm fascinated about all these interactions. So I think that drove me studying tuna. And um, from there, I learned the huge impact that humans are having on large predators through through extraction. So through fishing um, and from tuna that led me to sharks. And also because the scallop hammerheads are highly migratory, I think it's just a fascinating a species to study in all those um, contexts.
1: That was Andrea Rodriguez from the University of Western Australia talking about the endangered scalloped hammerhead shark and what we need to do to protect this wonderful species. And that's all for this week. If you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous episodes, head to www.3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. We will be with you again next week. And in the meantime, stay well.